I'm Jen Taylor Skinner, and this is The Electorate. On this episode, I have a conversation with Len Nguyen, the executive director of Run AAPI. It's an organization that's dedicated to retaking the cultural narratives of the Asian American community. We've just passed the one-year anniversary of the deadly shooting in Atlanta that killed six Asian American women. And since then, there have been several other vicious attacks against members of the AAPI community in just the last year. Lynn joins me to discuss this increasing violence and what should be done to stop it. We also discuss how Run AAPI is not only working to retake the cultural narrative for the Asian American community, but also how to best embolden and empower young Asian Americans to vote and strengthen their representation at the ballot box. So please enjoy my conversation with Lynn Nguyen of Run AAPI. Lin Wen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Jen. You know, so we just passed the one-year anniversary of the spa shootings in Atlanta, right? And, mm-hmm. and eight people were killed. And, I, you know, I shouldn't actually say it that way. Someone went in and killed eight people, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, you know, the hate crimes have been on the rise for years now. There's been a steep trajectory up. And I, I understand you were in Georgia at the time. Like, how did it shape the community then? And what's happened since then? Yeah, I mean, it's... It's still very hard to talk about, Jen. I mean, it's so important that we do remember what happened. And thank you for being very intentional with explaining how it happened, right? Because this was every single move that that shooter had made was very intentional. And we knew that. We knew exactly what was happening. But I had a chance to work so intimately with the Asian American community in Georgia. And that was specifically to mobilize, to understand, to do the outreach, and to make sure that they understood you know, their place in the election last year, not just for the 2020 election, but again, for the two very important, you know, U.S. Senate seats that eventually we got Ossoff and Warnock into office. But the Asian American community, like they played such a critical role in that. And so to go from that moment of us recognizing their political influence, their political power, you know, where they are and who they are in Georgia, you know, to such a horrific moment, you know, a little over a year ago, it's, I think it's like such a broad range of emotions, like if I'm being honest, Jen, in that I think a lot of us like can't believe the holy shit, it's already been a year. But then at the same time, there's just like so much that we haven't even addressed. Right. And we like we see this in New York City. We've seen this in other parts of the country and that. And you're right. I think it's hard to say because either these incidents are actually going up or they're just being reported at a higher rate. You know, and we're finally classifying it and like naming it for what it is you know, which is the other bigger thing. Like we've always dealt with this, you know, whether it's the Asian community, the black community, Latino community, but to name it what it is as a hate crime against our own people, that is relatively new in our space. I mean, despite all that, you're right. This has just been, this has probably been some of the toughest couple of years that a lot of us who are doing this on the ground advocacy work and organizing, it's just been very traumatic and it happens over and over again. Yeah. And we just, yeah, we need to see more. We just need to see more action, if I can be honest. Yeah. You know, I've been thinking a lot about that time and thinking about, you know, all the conversations I've heard, you know, since then and before then about like, you know, the connection to all of the political rhetoric, right? And is Mm. the connection to the data and the trajectory of the violence. You know, now talking to you, I'm thinking like, does it matter? Hate crimes are hate crimes. Whether there's one or there are a thousand a day, that one does not need to happen. And the rhetoric that we heard in the campaign, you know, in the 2016 campaign and right. after that should not happen. Right? right. But it did. It did. And this is actually something that, again, and when we get to it, but even like with former President Trump, he just normalized like anytime he was on TV, anytime he had the mic, 
anything he chose to say was just so hateful. There were so many moments throughout his presidency where, again, whether it was the start of the pandemic, whether it was specifically targeting Chinese Americans, but that for us, like, again, this type of, oh, I don't even know how to say it. It's like, we're visible, but we're not visible. And that makes sense. I mean, we've been stereotyped in so many different ways that I think what people haven't yet connected is that this has been happening for years and for decades and for centuries. You know, we have political figures like our former president who just brought this to a whole other extreme, you know, that allows for people like, again, the shooter that had happened in Atlanta for this to happen, you know, like this just can't be our norm. And yet it really is for so many people. And it's just now so heightened to another level for the Asian American community where, I mean, I'm like, I'm here in Houston, Texas, Jen, and you know, I can't help but to think of my parents, can't help but to think of my relatives, my older relatives who just can't live their day-to-day lives like they used to. And that's just a reality for so many of us. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about when he started this and it actually started before the 2016 campaign. And I don't want to spend too much time talking about him, but I think it goes to your point about kind of oversimplification of identity. Yes. But always refer to the Asian American community as Chinese, which mm. is like, you know, yes. can we be dumber <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, first of all, the Asian American community in this country is broad and vast, right? Mm-hmm. But I think yes. he was trying to appeal to a certain, you know, kind of ignorance about the community. And that made Absolutely. me think about like run AAPI, the organization that you're here to mm-hmm. talk about. Yeah. You put out an ad in, I think it was 2020. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. may have been when you launched, but that ad was so moving. And I'm trying to recall what was in it. And I think it went viral online. But you, there was this montage of people, right? Yes. And you had a montage yes, yes. Of, of celebrities too. And let me go back mm-hmm. to my notes here because I wrote down all of the celebrities. <laughs> that no, but you're you're spot on, Jen. That's that's exactly it. Yeah, and and so you know there was Mindy Kaling and Chloe mm-hmm. Bennett and you know Jason Momoa, and I was just like, mm-hmm. you know, that is not the picture that's been given in kind of our culture politically, right? And you know, socially, right. it's just right. so broad. I mean, I think that politically, just the broadness and the breadth and the depth of the community has kind of been ignored. Yes. Yes. That is so spot on, Jen. And again, that video, that was part of a campaign uh, that run AAPI that we kicked off for 2020. And like specifically saying that the whole like Asian American, Pacific Islander, Native and Hawaiian umbrella is just so complex. It is so complicated and it is so nuanced all across this country that, again, for years and for decades, we have just been oversimplified. And what was the whole purpose of that video, again, was to show the whole breadth and the whole depth of who we are, you know? And like specifically, like for Run API, like we work with young Asian Americans across this country. And and again, who we are as a demographic, who we are as a community, who we are as like a very critical voting block for either party, you know, there's still so much to be said in that work alone. There is. And that's why. So what we did last year, Jen, this was late 2021. And again, like, like despite the rise in anti-Asian violence, the, the rise in hate crimes, or at least the rise in media coverage. And, you know, I don't know about you, Jen, but like my social media feed, that was all that I was seeing, right? Throughout the pandemic, that we took the time to just go back and just talk to young Asians, right? To just like get a temperature check of where things are at. Because we knew, and like y'all know this, but we know that as we get closer to a really big election year, you know, that's when all the politicians, the campaigns, the policymakers, they start paying attention to us all over again, you know, because like we know why, but they like they need our vote. 
But for us, it was, again, demanding that not only do we need to be seen, not only do we need to be heard, but like y'all really need to get to know who we are. And so like one thing I wanted to share with you, and again, we talked to thousands of young Asians all across the country, 18 to 35. We had every single region of this country uh, mapped out along this polling that we were doing in that despite, this is like the shitty thing, but despite you know our growing numbers, despite our like record breaking turnout in votes every single year in multiple states across the country. Georgia is such a good example, Jen, in our voter turnout, uh, which was historical in, in 2020. And then again in 2021, of the respondents that we talked to, 68%, 68% of young Asians have not been asked by a political campaign on either side to get involved. Wow. Wow. Yes. 68%. And that and this is this is what we have been saying for years in that one Asian Americans, the entire umbrella of Asian Americans across this country, we've been here, we've been political, we've been active in our own communities, and we give a shit. Like we have such a powerful voice in our range of concerns and the issues that we want to fight for. We've always been here, but it is on our political campaigns, it is on our candidates to actually make that effort, you know, like, is they, we talk a big game on showing up where people are at, showing up where communities are. And yet we have no understanding of why 68% of young Asian Americans have never been asked to get involved. That's shocking. Yeah, that is shocking. That's like, <laughs> that's a lot. 68%. That's pretty high. Yeah. I mean, so what did you learn? Was this a formal survey? Or what did you mm-hmm. learn from talking to these young people on the ground? Yeah, this this was a formal survey, Jen. I mean, we both had very open-ended questions, right? Like we wanted our participants to feel like super, super comfortable and open, like offering like their darkest and most like unfiltered thoughts, which is what we got. And man, this has like been the dynamics for a very long time. You know, so a couple other things I wanted to share with you in that. And again, like thinking through like what we have been through as a community in the last couple of years, whether it's been through the pandemic whether it's been through uh, the hate crimes, in that we still had 87% of our respondents still feeling so proud to be Asian American. And yet, 50%, only half of the respondents, they had no, no strong sense of community within the API umbrella. Within the Asian American Pacific Islander umbrella, 50% said they don't feel a strong sense of community there. Wow. And again, these are young Asians who, again, are growing in population. We we are growing. It's like 24 million plus Asian Americans across this country. That population will continue to grow. That voting electorate is going to continue to grow. And yet what's equally challenging is that even within our own community, a lot of young Asians still don't feel a sense of belonging within their own people. One other thing I, I wanted to add to that was that, again, in thinking through like identity and, and who we are as young Asians, who we are politically, in that 52% of young Asian Americans still believe in achieving the American dream. And whatever that means for young Asians, whatever their idea and their sense and their slice of the American dream is, only 52% still believed it was achievable for them. Yeah. Do you know what that means, though? I mean, how was that question posed? Because mm-hmm. I'm curious, because, you know, there isn't yeah, a clear yeah, idea of what the American dream means anymore. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's our exact point in that. That question alone, that demonstrated such a vast and broad and very complicated community. And so there was like, oh, my goodness, it was like such a vast range. Because we had, we had a couple of follow-up questions to that, Jen, in that, like, for example, we had one Southeast Asian individual. He 
I believe he was in his late 20s, uh, currently living in Northern Virginia, who described his understanding of the American dream is that he needed to preserve his family's cultures, his family's traditions, and like specifically through food and the dishes that his mom taught him to make. That was his understanding of the American dream. And that was something he was so, so particular with in explaining to us that that was something he had to fight to preserve. Again, living in Northern Virginia. We had another gentleman in New York City. He was a little younger, I think mid-20s, East Asian, living in Chinatown, New York City. And his understanding of the American dream was to make money. Wow. And that was a very quick, very quick answer that one, he believed that his part of his Americanness was to make money and like build on like the entrepreneurial spirit of what it means to be American, right? And yet these are two individuals who also identified as Democrats. Wow. You know, yes. And so the research that we've been doing, the time that we took to go back into the field and just like talk to people again, right? I think like we kind of forgot how to do that in politics. Just like talking to people without having to make it feel so transactional that we're asking for something, asking for their support. But we just, we really just wanted to get a good sense because the research that we're releasing, which we, we just released a couple of days ago, our whole purpose is that we need to disrupt this conventional understanding of who young Asians are and specifically in the political space. Were you able to get a sense of why they felt no connection to the broader Asian American community? Mm. I mean, that's a hard one, I would imagine. Oh, man, it's a hard one. I think, in my opinion, Janet, and, and a little bit of our research did touch on this, is that there is just so much more to say when it comes to political, but also cultural figures that are well-respected in our community, are well-known in our community. And we asked that question straight up, like, can you name a political or cultural figure that you look up to. And we try to keep that question so broad, so open, and yet it was 43%, so just a little under half of the thousands of individuals we talked to couldn't even name one. Couldn't even name one Asian political or cultural figure that they look up to, that they are inspired by. I think right under that mark, I think it was like close to like 20% or so named Andrew Yang. Oh, and then it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. And I have like a lot of thoughts on that. So <laughs> won't even start. I won't even start on that. But um, and then we get into then we get into individuals like our vice president, Kamala Harris, who is half South Asian. She was in the single digits. You know, we had athletes like Naomi Osaka, again, in the single digits. Jeremy Lin, I think, again, not as not as well known with our younger generation, but was still listed a couple of times. But for the most part, a lot of young Asians could not name anyone from our community that they are inspired by. You know, and I think that's like part of the issue. Like 76% of young Asians don't feel like they're actually represented in any kind of political life, right? And so I think there's something to be said on representation, you know, and I think we're starting to see a major shift, you know, whether it's in media, whether it's in entertainment specifically, like I don't know if you recently saw Jen, but there was a Disney and Pixar movie turning red that was just released a few weeks ago. But you're starting to see these movies that are, you know, made by an all Asian American woman cast are largely reflecting the Asian diaspora. Our stories are starting to be told on screen. And like, it's like the little stuff like that, that just makes the biggest difference, you know? And like, I remember... I think this was last year, Jen. I don't know if you remember this movie, um, Raya and the Last Dragon, again, was another Disney movie, right? Yeah. And there was just like one scene, it was near the beginning, 
And it was like a very, very specific soup dish that she was cooking with her dad. And I can't even tell y'all how much, like the spices that were being used, the specific pot that was being used on the stove. Like that was the shit that we grew up with, you know? (laughs) And that just hit, yeah, that just hit so close to home. And it's like, it's moments like that, that we need to continue to see in every different industry. And I, I think that is where like the cultural shift We'll start. Yeah. At least we can extrapolate that Disney's doing something right, but our elected officials. Mm. Oh, girl. <laughs> yeah. That, that's a whole other issue. I mean, so do you have the numbers as to how we're doing with parity and representation in elected positions, right? Because I, I would imagine that it's very low. Mm. It is. It is. Yeah. I can speak more anecdotally. I mean, I so I'm here in Texas. And if anyone, anyone has been in Texas, like specifically Houston, we have one of the largest Chinatowns that I have ever, ever experienced. Wow. And by large, I mean like geographically, it is so expansive that we have like a little Saigon. We have different pockets specifically for the Korean community. Same thing with the South Asian community is well represented within Chinatown. And that even with a state like Texas, which is so broad and it has such a large and growing Asian American population in the state here in Houston and in Dallas, our state house delegation, when it comes to those who are elected officials who are actually of Asian descent, it is still in the single digits. I think at this time, Jen, I think there is only, I'm going to get in shit if I don't get this right because this is my home state, <laughs> but I think there is only four or five, again, that self-identifies Asian who represent our communities here in the state of Texas. And it's almost the same thing in Georgia, an incredibly small Asian American Pacific Islander caucus. And yet what's so concerning is that our electorate here in either one of these states are growing in population. We're only going to get much bigger. We're only going to see more eligible and more naturalized citizens here in a number of these states. And I think what's also interesting when it comes to all of like these first time Asian American elected officials, where they're at and actually reflecting where the population is. But I just hope that people don't forget of us in Southern states, whether it is Georgia, whether it is North Carolina, whether it is here in Texas, but we are growing in numbers in like the most interesting places across America. And like the last thing I, I wanted to say on that, uh, Jen, because I think it's really important, but you know, the newly elected mayor in Boston, who I thought just ran such a beautiful campaign. And of course, like leave it to Asian American woman, but <laughs> Mayor Michelle Wu, I think that was one of the first campaigns I saw that one. Like if you look at her team, Jen. Her team was made up of young Asian women, her campaign manager, her digital director, oh. organizers on the ground. And I think that makes the biggest difference when you can reflect who you are and the people that you hire and the values that you live are also the values of your team. That shit makes the biggest difference on the ground. It does. I was, like, I was raised as an organizer. And so I'm just such a big <laughs> believer that we have to take these chances you know, when it comes to diversifying our our political teams and who's actually representing the candidate on the ground, that makes the biggest difference. And Michelle just ran. And it wasn't just a campaign on the issues. And yeah, like, you know, there are moments when she had to lean into her identity. There are moments when she had to understand the complicated dynamics of a city like Boston. But she she like did our community proud, you know, and she got the the national support. She got that attention because she just honored who she was as a, a woman, as a first-time mayoral candidate as someone who, you know, understood the challenges of being undermined as an Asian American woman. And she just broke the status quo. And I got so much respect for that. 
Yeah. You know, that surprises me what you told me about Texas. I would not have guessed mm-hmm. that they had such a large, you know, Chinatown there. Yes. Yeah. People don't really know this. Yeah, they don't know. And I think that's what was so surprising about the results in Georgia, too. Yes. Like, you don't think of the South, right. you know, right. in that way, right? right. Mm-hmm. So what's your aim with, you know, talking to younger people in a political sense? Is your aim to encourage them to maybe run for office? Oh, that would, oh my gosh, <laughs> if we could think of that kind of pipeline, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> if, if I'm like being honest, Jen, I mean, I think at least with this study, this polling that we did, you know, as recently as late last year, I think it actually told us a, a much bigger challenge. And that, you know, as much as we are going to continue turning out in numbers, as much as you know, young Asians are going to continue to vote and exercise their right to vote, I think there's still so much more that needs to be done when it comes to actually just reclaiming who we are. You know, and unfortunately, it's going to have to take just like an army of young Asians who are comfortable, who feel safe in doing that to be able to tell their own narrative, right? Because others have told us who we are for way too long. But I think now is we're starting to see, again, like the whole swath of different Asians, who we are, where we came from, the way that we are honoring our ancestors. But I think right now, it's going to be a critical year of storytelling, if I'm being honest. And especially in a year like 2022, when yes, like there are a lot of critical elections that are happening this year. But I think also equally important is that if we even want to even start thinking about the presidency in 2024, if we want to maintain that Democratic White House, that work an investment has to be done now. It does. Because like you and I know this, Jen, I mean, there's, it, it just says something when we have candidates and campaigns coming in super hot, last couple months before election day, you know, all of a sudden letting us know that we're so important. You know, we need their support. It's that kind of relationship building. It takes time. What we're doing here at Run AAPI is that one, they're just, there are not many organizations across this country in a number of different states where they are just hyper-focused on young Asians, right? Like when we talk on voter engagement within the larger AAPI umbrella, Asian American Pacific Islander umbrella, oftentimes we actually forget this very critical demographic of younger Asians because they are very progressive. They are very outspoken. The issues that they will fight for, we don't talk enough of. You know, and whether it is more driven by the racial and social injustice issues, one of the top rated issues, Jen, when we ask them, like, what actually, like, what y'all like care about? Uh, but one of the top rated issues was the fight on our climate crisis. Wow. Okay. You know, and like, yeah. And like, when we think of, you know, the, the whole landscape of environmental injustice groups and who's at the table, who's speaking on these issues, you don't typically see people of color and you definitely do not see young Asians speaking on how much this type of concern reaches so deep within our own, you know? So, and and that's what we've been trying to demonstrate is again, like the depth that we bring that we aren't just like that stereotype that y'all probably think we are, you know? And like, you know, this gender, like on the ground, like we are, we're kind of tired of like these like boba events. Like we don't really care if your candidate drinks boba. <laughs> we're like so much more than that. Wow. Yeah, that's kind of insulting. Does that happen? Yes. Oh, oh my gosh, Jen. I can't even tell you. It's and again, it's like the standard outreach in a box. Like, okay, 
if a China town is in our, and I've seen this in Las Vegas too, which again is a, a very active place for our community and specifically for the Filipino community uh, in Las Vegas, they are very politically plugged in. It's like some of the most interesting and exciting organizing I've ever done in my life has been in Las Vegas. But I can't even tell you, Jen, how many boba events I've been invited to. <laughs> Like we, we just got to do better than that. Okay. Well, I think we deserve better than that. So what about you, you do? <laughs> we all do. Jesus. Okay. So <laughs> yes, we all what do. about um, legislatively, right? You know, kind of going back mm-hmm. to the first question, because I, you know, it's really hard to see this stuff on the news. Right. And then kind of thinking like, you know, what can we do about this? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, is there anything legislatively we can do? Like, what about the legislative priorities? I think this is going to be the greatest challenge. And again, I think this really does reflect within the API umbrella, the differences, the generational differences, the ethnic differences when it comes to whether it's East Asian, South Asian, Southeast Asian, there are so many challenging values that exist within that space alone. And, you know, and we brought up that question, like what policy changes do we need to see? And we asked that within our young Asian Americans that we were talking to last year, and that there is an equal amount of support when it comes to harsher punishment, when it comes to needing to fund the police so they can do, you know, and again, this is me paraphrasing, but when it comes to funding the police to do their jobs, we need greater surveillance in our communities. We don't feel safe in our neighborhoods. And by safety, they're equating it to being sure that our police department and our task force, whatever, however you want to name it, is well-equipped or is well-resourced. You know, and then there's an, another side of the community, and I, I actually I hear this a lot more within my colleagues in Georgia, in that we have to reimagine safety and what public safety means for us, for our community, for Asian American women, for women in general, or for our elders, in that it's not so much a cry for, again, for ensuring that our, our police departments are well-resourced, but it's little things, and I've been actually seeing this in more in San Francisco and in the Chinatown and in the Bay Area, but making sure that, you know, if in the case something does happen, that our elders specifically will know how to report this, right? We'll know that in like 12 different languages, you can actually dial a number in your own language and make sure that you are seeking this help, right? And I I wanted to give that and like to bring context to this because it's, we know this in that legislative process, yes, is one thing. Yes, is part of our system and our structure that we need to see, but we all know how slow it moves and the public support it needs to move forward. We all know it is a political game. And so what I've been seeing instead on the other side of this, and whether they are young Asians, whether they are our elders, I'm seeing like a whole different range of different generations, but people have been taking it in their own hands, you know, and it's been a lot of these organizations. It's been a lot of these community activists that have actually provided a greater sense of safety than I have seen on our legislative side. And I just got to name that because I know we had a pretty critical anti-Asian hate bill passed. It was a very big deal within our Congress members, you know, and and I'll be honest with that, Chen, in that I I feel I'm like 50-50 on it. You know, there were, I think, over 200 Asian American organizations that actually opposed that bill and signed on to the opposition of that bill, right? Because again, in practice, what that bill was going to do was empower authorities, it was going to empower police officers to be able to categorize and assess what a hate crime is, right? And as much as that kind of data and that kind of narrative and how media reports on this is going to be so damn important, at the same time, we know, we know how that actually plays out in the community. 
And we know how much of a wedge that's going to place between Asians and people of color and specifically within the black community and what that's going to do to further drive us apart. And that part of the conversation I felt didn't happen enough when the drafting of this bill was happening. Right, right. That's what I was thinking. That's one main reason why representation matters is to craft this policy that works for the communities that it's meant to target, you know, or to help rather. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Representation is just so much more than being able to carry our own identity, but it is exactly how you're going to champion us. Like, do you actually understand who we are and what we care about and how are you going to carry that to the state capital or however you're representing us? But yes, I just could not agree more. So what are your plans for the midterms? Yeah, good question. So midterms for us, oh, and I can't wait for y'all to like see some of our content. So again, I would love for everyone just to follow our stuff online at Run API because one thing that we are pushing this year is, and we know this, and I've kind of said this before, but culture moves 10 times faster than policy and politics does, right? It's like almost like two completely different systems And yet they have to work together in order for us to move the needle, in order for us to see the kind of elected officials we want to see in office. And so for us to understand that culture moves faster, we have to understand that when it comes to digital engagement, online engagement, we have to change the game, right? And so that video that you saw, that content that you saw, Jen, in 2020, like that video went viral for a reason because we have never seen that kind of stuff for young Asians before. You know, like we have cool shit, but like, why can't we see that in the political space? (laughs) And so run, we, yeah, and so run, we have this, I wish y'all could see this, but like an incredible network of creatives, all again, falling under the Asian diaspora, all that we work with our young Asian creators, that we have an entire influencer uh, programming that we're running all throughout the year leading up to November 2022. And we're also running just killer content, you know, and I like, I kind of hate using that word content. (laughs) But I only I use it so often here because we just don't have that for this demographic specifically. For my community specifically, I don't see cool shit for us young Asians. You know, when it comes to, well, we need y'all to vote and this is how important it is to vote. And like, why can't it actually just reflect who we are and our interests? You know, so a lot of our stuff is going to be very much in the digital space. And like I said, I'm, I'm really excited to finally kick off our influencer programming. These aren't like your influencers who you know, have like the millions of followers, but these are like Asian American influencers who, you know, it might be like 50K, 100K followers, but they like know their people, you know, and their audience, their niche audience, they are so compelled by very specific topics, very specific issues. And it's like that type of content creator that those are the people we want to partner with and collaborate with. You know, they know their crew, they know their network, they know their power of their own community so much better than any of us do. So yeah, a lot of really good online stuff. Yeah, that video is so cool. That's a badass video. Yeah, <laughs> do you mind if fun. I link to it? I know it's from 2018. Do it. Okay, no, okay. No, no, I appreciate you. I'll look for the new one when it comes out. <laughs> yeah, I'll make sure you have it, Jim. But yeah, definitely. Yeah, the one in 2020, I can't even tell you how many messages and DMs we got of just like random young Asians who just like straight up said to us, like, I've never seen anything like this before. Like, holy shit, like that, like really gave me a moment of pause or like, just like, thank you for putting this together. You know, like that's the kind of emotion we need to continue to spark. We do. If we're going to do the politics thing right, that's the kind of emotion politicians need to see and focus on. Well, Lynn, thank you so much for joining me and thank you for all the work you've done. And also, you know, come back and talk to me when it's closer to midterms and we'll check in to see how we're all doing. Oh, I love that. Mm, yeah, we, I think we all got to check in at some point. I appreciate your time, though, Jen. Thank you for having me. Thank you. 